Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. Sun's out. Sun's out. People are being very negative this time of year. I don't understand how they're obviously getting vitamin D. Things are looking up. I think inflation went down in the UK. Overall, inflation is still sky high, but it was slightly reduced, which I like. I like that the government is like, I'm going to punch all of you in the face. And everyone was like, no, 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 don't punch us in the face. And they punched us in the face. And then they're like, do you know what? Next time, I'm just going to kick you in the shin. And some people are excited. They're like, great, I'm only getting kicked in the shin. It's like, well, hang on. It still sucks. It sucks a bit less, but it's, you know, they were they shouldn't have punched us in the face in the first place. So I understand people are in bad shape and people can get spicy. I also, I totally understand that different people have different levels of mental health, but what is with the name Emma? The most wonderful people I know are called Emma. Equally, the biggest pricks I know are called Emma. I'm looking at you, Emma, who sends me drunk texts in the middle of the night when I hardly know you. I'm very close to blocking that number. Also, like Emma White, the jewelry designer uh, whom I befriended on the BBC2 ill-fated series, All That Glitters, which has been canceled. But um, she's one of the best people ever. So like good Emmas, crazy Emmas, nothing in between. I've been getting messages from a few different people who happen to be called Emma. Maybe it's just because everyone in this country is called Emma, yet none of you can pronounce my daughter's name, Fena. It's not a huge departure, lads. But um, Bobby and I went to Monaco over the weekend. It was kind of a work thing. And when I say over the weekend, we were only gone for 24 hours. I don't like to be away from my kids full stop. But when you have three of them, they have each other and you do have to prioritize your marriage here and there. And Bobby and I are trying to have like a date night once in a while, once in a while. So this is the first one in five and a half months. We left Gracie and Fred and Violet home with our wonderful babysitter, Miriam, not a stranger. They know Miriam, but it was still an adjustment. I, uh, oh, I found it a little bit difficult, even though it was only a short time, but obviously We had a lot of fun and we posted lots of pictures of Monaco, more on that later. But in my DMs, all of a sudden, I've got people being like, oh, you know, I thought you were a feminist. And here you have this husband who's really handsome and who you take to Monaco and he looks like a model and you're a massive hypocrite. And it's like, what? They go, because he doesn't work. And you know what's crazy about someone who calls themselves a feminist uh, viewing this kind of situation as hypocrisy is that feminism is about equality and equal pay is so that some dads can stay home with their kids and some moms happen to have careers where they're at work a lot. And isn't it lovely for the children when one of their parents is on hand? Yes, Bobby has other things that he likes to do. He does golf. I have material about that. And in real life, it doesn't piss me off. I feel like it's a good hobby that's great for mental health. And I don't expect Bobby to be with the children 24 hours a day. Equally, a lot of stay-at-home moms have babysitters. Sometimes they go out to lunch. They go to the gym. They go out with their friends. They go shopping. Like You wouldn't believe how many wives in my husband's situation 
have not only full-time daytime kelp, but they have maternity nurses as well at night. And they don't work and nobody says anything to them. Nobody's messaging any of my male peers to be like, oh, your wife is taking you for a ride. She is using you and making you look like a fool because she's home with the kids. A lot of my friends' wives stay home. And not everybody can have that luxury. Not everyone's happy with that arrangement. Some women that I know, they stay home with their kids while they're little. By the way, I have two children under the age of two. And then they rejoin the workforce when the kids are in school or, you know, they have their own career that takes a back seat for a little while while children are young. I'm very lucky that my children can have a parent home. And Bobby and I have spoken about like, oh, you know, you'd probably have more friends if you worked. Maybe you're bored being at home with these kids. Maybe you would like to. We've had those chats. And he says, no, I would prefer to be with my young children. They're only young ones. Aren't we lucky that one of us can be here with them? And yeah, Bobby golfs sometimes. And yes, we use the babysitter sometimes. And true, we went to Monaco on Sunday. But like, I'm not the hypocrite. The hypocrisy of a feminist telling me I'm wrong for going to work and having a stay-at-home husband and, oh, he must be using me because he stays home. Trust me, Bobby's life was a lot more fun before he met me. (laughs) It was like maybe not as existentially rewarding, but like day-to-day, He could eat whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. He could go to the gym whenever he wanted. He saw his friends. He could sleep in whenever he wanted. He lived near all of his former teammates and his family. Like Bobby has made a lot of sacrifices to be with me. So, I mean, I don't know why everyone's so spiced up about that. I mean, we must have looked better than I thought in Monaco. I do feel sometimes like I'm treated as though I'm a 75-year-old man with a 19-year-old wife. That's how people address me. They're like, oh, yeah, I know. This little hunk is taking you for a spin, old man. It's like, well, we're actually best friends. And we knew each other when we were young. And yes, he did break up with me when we were young. But he did us both a favor. And he was a kid. And he was not ready to be in a very serious relationship, which I felt that we were and should be in. And can you imagine if Bobby hadn't broken up with me when we were in like 16, 17, whatever, whichever time finally stuck? Then what if he had said, yes, Catherine, great idea. Let's get married and live in Sarnia forever. And you could have the breast implants of your dreams and, you know, hang out. I don't know what I even wanted to do. Well, I didn't, I didn't want to stay in Sarnia. I wanted to be married to Bobby for sure and have kids with him young because a lot of our friends were getting married young. I think I hadn't really thought far beyond that. But what I was meant to do was leave. As soon as I could leave that town, I left. And if we had stayed and had kids and just done what makes a lot of people happy but wouldn't have made us happy, then we'd definitely be divorced like 15 years ago. But my kids would be full adults and that would be fun. And then I could sleep. I'm too old for these hours now. But we're having fun. On the subject of older men dating teens, you know there's been some stuff in the news. The UK has exploded with this story because it's senseless to talk about what's really going on with inflation and like homelessness, actual problems. We love it when someone off the telly fucks up. And I don't know what's happened with ITV. I really don't. I don't have any inside scoop on morning television, but I will just say this. When you are on people's screens every day during the time that they're drinking coffee, they get to know you. They feel like they know you. You become beloved. So if you bend the rules, like jumping a queue, which they may or may not have done, you know, they were sent by work for whatever reason. And no, we're not used to queuing with everyone. David Beckham, so thirsty for the knighthood. Then when people turn on you, they turn sharp and they turn hard and there has been a story that a morning presenter in the UK has been having an affair that's now finished with a younger junior on the show so this has been flagged as an abuse of power this has been flagged as uh deceit because when the story was maybe going to come out in 2019 2020 this married to a woman and father of two children presenter decided to be like, oh, I'm gay. And then that's a wonderful thing to happen when you can be 
honest about your authentic self at any age. And the nation rallied around him and they were like, you're gay, that's fabulous. And now people feel a little bit tricked because they go, well, hang on. Did you just say that you were gay to cover up this affair? And is it appropriate for a major celebrity, very influential person to have an affair with a junior person at work? You know that I always say it is not. And I don't know the depths of this affair. I don't know when it started. Suffice to say, I don't like it. There was a premiership football player also whom uh, I read about in Attitude magazine. He'd done an interview with Rylan Clark. And I'm not using names here. You know who I'm talking about with the first story. But with the second story, I just don't like using names because I feel like if you don't say the name, the press are much less likely to lift it from the podcast and report on it. I don't like to, you know... This is it. The morning presenter thing. Everyone's piling on him and really making it difficult for him to continue to live any semblance of a normal life. He has withdrawn from ITV. He is no longer presenting the show he worked on. He's no longer hosting the Soap Awards. Yes, I have put myself forward for that gig. Of course I did. ABC, always be closing. I've not not had sex with any teenagers ever, ever. After Bobby, I went straight to adults. Um, I am a clean slate. And this is the other thing. They need to hire more women. Women are non-problematic. There are no skeletons in my closet. None. Even though, I think we get judged more harshly. I'm doing this Now TV advert right now that I I love now entertainment. Now movies, now sport, now entertainment. I love that streaming service. When we lived in the church conversion, we were not able to get Sky because it's a listed building and I accessed... Comedy Central and HBO and Hey You and all these different channels that I love to watch through Now TV. And I've been singing the praises of Now TV for years. And now they're just now, but they used to be called Now TV. Now approached me and they said, we have this idea for an advert. Uh, We know you love the streaming service. So our content is so great. You come out like a devil wears Prada character and you're like, No, no, I don't like this. I don't like that. You're a tough critic. You're difficult to please. But then you watch the content on now and you're blown away and you'd love it. And the tagline is now impresses even the toughest critics. And I was like, yeah, that's great. That's fine. I love now. I'll do anything. And I think it's funny. Part of me is like, all right, I always get painted with this brush. Like she's a dragon. She's Joan Rivers. She's horrible. And the truth is people who are toxic are very careful not to publicly act that way. People who are like, hi, nice to see you. I'm a happy, clappy morning presenter. I'm a good person. I'm a family man. I'm a this, that. Those are the ones that you hear things about. And it's there are a few presenters that you hear are quite toxic in writers' rooms or have been called in for their behavior who are like nasty sometimes. I haven't heard this about any women. And certainly no women like me who act you know, we do roasts or I'm not afraid to act like a villain on television because I know that it's a role. And I got a bunch of negative messages about that too. People being like, do you really think it is okay to show bullying like this when there's a real problem in television of people being so horrible? And it's like, I hope that you are coming at Logan Roy on Succession with that same energy. Tony Soprano with that same energy, every villain you have ever seen, every Netflix true crime series, every uh, incarnation of a nasty person playing a character, I hope that you have come at them in the same way you've come at me. People are like, she's just so horrible. Yeah, that's the gig. Am I really that horrible? I mean, no, give me one example of someone in a work environment who says I have ever been anything but kind to them, and you won't find it, for God's sake. But anyway, I digress, as usual. There's a young premiership footballer. I'm not saying his name on purpose, but I also don't know his name, just like I don't know any footballer's name. (laughs) He uh, did an interview with Rylan, and he's very young. I think he's still just 18 or 19, and he talked about coming out and how People rallied around him. The glitterati of the UK gay world. Elton John congratulated him. Everyone's like, that is so brave to be in premiership football and to be an out gay man. Well done you. And I feel the same way. I think it's wonderful. He came out at 17 
And now he has a partner whom he lives with and he's very happy and he's telling Rylan the story as reported by Now Magazine. And I listened to the podcast just to check that there was no paraphrasing and this is exactly what went down. He said, oh, um, I was, all of a sudden I had all these Twitter followers and Instagram followers and a gentleman slid into my DMs and said, well done. You know, it wasn't a sexual message. It was just like, I think it's great. You're very brave, glad you're gay, whatever. And he looked at this guy's profile, 17 years old, just out of the closet. Like, are we still saying closet? Just, you know, exited the wardrobe. Uh, No, it sounds very Narnia that way. You know, out. Out for the first time. Doesn't have a lot of life experience. 17 years old. He looks at the man's profile who slid into his DMs. This man's 45-ish. And he thought he was good looking. So he wrote back, oh, thanks, mate. Anything else I can do for you? kind of wink, wink, kind of a flirtatious message. And then the 45-year-old wrote the 17-year-old back and they started chatting for the whole day and they fell in love really quickly and then now they're living together. And he says, this is the love of my life. This is a wonderful relationship. And I, you know, I just want everyone to be happy. I don't think we need to, I don't like, I don't like adults dating teenagers ever under any circumstances I know there are exceptions now and then, and I know it's not illegal, but I hate to think that one person in the relationship has lived so many more lives than the other. Like, I'm almost 40, and I've lived four lives at least. I just, can you imagine, ladies listening to this podcast around my age, or maybe you're a mom, or maybe you're not, or maybe you're older than I am, what do you have in common with a 17-year-old, or 18, or 19, or even 21-year-old boy? absolutely fuck all. That's why you don't see us messing around with them. That is why you can hire us and have full confidence (laughs) that there's not going to be, oh, Bobby, I need to make an announcement. I'm secretly a lesbian. What was actually going on? Catherine was carrying on with like a runner at work. Never, never. I'm too tired for any of that shit. I'm too tired to have an affair. Book me for your show. Kitty needs to start opening without my agent, Kitty Lang, the hardest working woman in show business who's currently in Greece. Um, I just, but I, but my point is, I don't like it, but do we need to heap abuse on these people? Because social media, you know, we have learned can be a deadly tool. And I just don't want anyone to be pushed too far. Yes, people should be held accountable for bad behavior, but like, leave it, let it. This person has stepped down. Things are happening. It's not up to us. I wasn't there. You weren't there. We don't really know what's going on. I know it's salacious gossip and it's really fun, but a lot of people have been messaging me being like, ooh, are you going to talk about it on the podcast? No, I, I would rather not be one of the people involved in this pile on. I call it out when no one's calling it out. When Leonardo DiCaprio dates a ton of models, I love saying that he's a loser because he is, but he's not in danger of someone small like me actually disrupting his life and making him sad. You know, if he was at the center of a cancellation storm, I would probably back off. I'm not even, you know, I just, young people listening, all the young people listening, I know that you might have like a creepy daddy thing. I know that sometimes you see an older man and you think he's sexy or you're impressed that he's still alive or you think he can help you in the industry, but that is not the way to go. And even if you're not in my industry, you think, ooh, he has a car. Ooh, I must be so chosen and special and clever because he likes me. No, it is weird and it will cause you probably pain in the future. I hope not though. So... Bobby and I went to Monaco. It was a whirlwind trip. We were invited by a wonderful company called Green Room Experience. Sometimes you get invited to things, Wimbledon, for example. Bobby and I were invited by PIMS. And that will just be other media people, influencers, TV people, to highlight on their social media how great PIMS goes with tennis and to remind people about PIMS. And they have partnerships that way. Uh, It's just a, a lovely thing to go to. Green room experience, from what I understand, is hospitality that's available to anyone, I think, that you can get a package with them and do all these fun things. They do cricket and they do rugby. We went to Beyonce with them last night, which I will speak about next week. 
I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's still going this week in London. I know a lot of you have already been in Edinburgh and elsewhere. Spoiler alert, I loved it. Do I think that her waist is naturally the size of her neck without any assistance? No, I don't. No, I don't. And thus forth. But um, we landed in Monaco. Basically, it was a long day. We were invited by Green Room to be on a yacht and to watch the F1 championship final race in Monte Carlo. I had been to Monaco once for work. Bobby had never been. And we thought, 24 hours away from the kids, we can do it. 5 a.m., we wake up. We go to the airport. BA, Heathrow, very smooth. We land 10.30 a.m., and we had to take a helicopter to the location, to the yacht transfer, because there's just wall-to-wall traffic, bumper-to-bumper, whatever you want to call it. There's no moving around Monaco on the ground during race day. Even on a normal day, it's very normal to take a helicopter in and around the south of France. They're like helicopter Ubers there. It's just way cheaper than the UK. It's just what everyone does. The trains were not running. There were no Ubers, cars running. There was just wall-to-wall traffic, whatever you want to call that, and we had to take the helicopter. We did not anticipate that a helicopter could or would even be delayed. We flew with a company called Blade, which is a French word for pile of monkey dick. We checked in for this helicopter. We had just the clothes in a garment bag to change into quickly coming off the plane, and we were going to travel around Monaco with one small bag. This was our chance to have a 24-hour date. Already, we're five and a half hours into it. It's like that show 24. The clock is ticking. So I put my red dress on. I wasn't sure about my outfit. I had ordered a few outfits. I just wanted to do French Riviera proud, but also be comfortable for the day. I got some lovely flat trainers, which was key. I mean, you take your shoes off on a yacht anyway, no shoes allowed, but I can't imagine the cobblestones and hills and steps of Monaco, how uncomfortable I would have been in heels or any new shoe, really. Any shoe from last season that you haven't worn in a few months is going to give you blisters. It's a nightmare. But I had some really comfortable trainers. I was happy with those. We change into our outfits. Bobby looks good. I'm all French Riviera. Got my Gucci straw hat. And we go to the place to leave the helicopter. And we were just cutting it quite close. It was 10 after 11. The helicopter was meant to take off at 11.30. And I said to the lady, en français, Oh, je suis désolée, pardon, on est un peu en retard. She said, no, you're not late, we're late. Ha <laughs> ha. And I thought, well, what that was funny. Why'd she say we're late? She gave us an orange wristband and she said, stand over there with uh, anyone else you see with an orange wristband and a colleague will take you to the helicopter. I look over there and there are about 100 people with an orange wristband. I thought, uh, helicopter can see six, right? Uh-oh, uh-oh. So we're waiting and we're waiting with all these people and they just ushered us into different holding pens. We went from the waiting area through another airport security and then we waited in a room where rumors started to fly that the helicopters were delayed and that anyone who booked a private helicopter where they wouldn't have to share with strangers was being prioritized ahead of us. So that means any private hire from like 2 p.m., 3 p.m., it doesn't matter. If they arrived for a private hire, they were getting the helicopter before us and people kept arriving for these VIP private hires. Had I known this, we probably just would have booked a private one or found some buddies and been like, oh, you're going to Monaco? You're okay, well, let's all go in a helicopter for six. But because we were six, not two, we had to wait and wait with all the other people who'd agreed to fly with strangers. I thought we were being sustainable. We were not. We were then moved from the second holding pen onto a bus on the tarmac. That felt very promising, but there was no driver on the bus, and that's when we knew we were in trouble. The bus was cold. It was running. There was air con. So we felt like more comfortable until we realized that we were just trapped on the tarmac now. And that's when a leader emerged among us, and her name was Yellow. She was wearing a yellow dress, and she was very argumentative. She was American, and she just stood right up and started finding out what was going on. What's going on here? What are we waiting for? She was annoyed. I think she was with some type of corporate hospitality, or maybe she had to be there for work in some capacity because she seemed very professional. She seemed like... She had a different energy to someone who was just going to watch the race. And she was asking anyone for information, like the people passing water around, the people who have no information. She was treating them like they were the manager of Monaco, the queen of the airport. She was like, 
tell me now exactly what's going on. So then she periodically from her little rantings and stompings around, she would get back on the bus and give us the information about like 30, 40 people on this bus. And she's like, well, blah, 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 blah. We are not getting a helicopter for two hours. There are no charters left. The train is not even running. Someone has tragically jumped in front of the train. So all the people who meant to take the train are now chartering helicopters. It was all bad news all around. And people were a titter. They were like, well, what are we going to do? We got to get to the race. Some people abandoned the bus. That's right. They got off. We had come so far already. By now, it's nearly 1 p.m. We were meant to take off at 1130 and people are splitting off in groups, demanding to be released from the airport, demanding to be shown to taxis so that they could try to drive into Monaco. And all the staff was like, you cannot drive. Are you crazy? There is so much traffic. You will never get there. It will take you hours and hours. The roads are not moving, but they didn't care. They wanted to be, you know, in charge of their own destiny. At least they are in control when they're off the bus. And I respected them for that, though I never saw them again. Bobby and I were resigned to waiting with the group on the bus because we just felt like it made the most sense. It sucked. We were annoyed. We never get to go on a date. I was running out of energy already because I'd been up since five. And I was really worried about... Oh no, now I'm tired just thinking about it. I was really worried about how it was going to last into the evening. Our plan was to enjoy the race at three and then around eight o'clock when they open the gates, walk around Monaco, have dinner, like have a little date, have drinks. And it just, I thought, how am I going to make it to midnight and then sleep and then wake up at the crack of dawn again to get back to the kids? One thing you don't want to do after a rest from the children is arrive back more tired than when you left. This was supposed to be rejuvenating. So the bus all of a sudden starts moving. We're half full now. Half of the passengers had abandoned the bus. They take us through Terminal 2 to the place where you actually get to board a helicopter. We could see there were so many helicopters, like 10 helicopters all lined up. And there's a little blade house sort of thing that you go in to wait like a little, I don't even know what to call it, almost like the size of an off license. It was weird, just in the middle of the tarmac. So we're excited. We're like, oh, wow, but hang on. The closer we get, we can see that there are little cues by every helicopter to get on. So we think, what is inside that hut? How many more people are waiting here for helicopters? And there were a few. The the hut was full of maybe like 60 more people, We got in and then we were just corralled. They had uh, velvet ropes where we just had to wait in different groupings of six for an available helicopter. And it moved pretty quickly after that. It's only seven minutes, only seven minutes to get from Nice to Monaco in a helicopter. But every time a blackout van would arrive, we knew that that was a private hire and they always got to go in front of us. So we waited and waited and waited about an hour more And our 11.30 departure turned into a 2.30 departure. Three hours late, finally we took off. And it was really cool. And then we landed in Monaco and we were greeted by the lovely Harriet who had a boat transfer to the yacht. And the yachts don't actually like sail around. They're all docked, which is crazy because a yacht costs like tens, if not hundreds of millions of pounds. And then it costs loads of money just to run it. And if it's not even sailing around, then surely you could have that party in a building, a building that's near the water that costs a whole lot less. But it was not my yacht, not my business. We met a lot of really cool people. I met a man. This is why I think like people who are not on TV are allowed to buy tickets to these green room experiences because I met a man from a beautiful charity called Lighthouse in Edinburgh. I had done a gig for them long, long ago, probably almost a decade ago. They're a charity that looks after people in the construction industry when they get injured or they get sick or they have mental health concerns. It's a charity for them because I don't think that they have a normal pension set up. So Lighthouse is a charity to protect all of them and their industry. I thought it was so great when I did the gig 10 years ago and it was wonderful to see the man again. Nick, I think was his name, loved him, loved seeing him again. We chatted for a while and Bobby's like, what language is he speaking? I was like, wow. Wow, he's from Glasgow. And it was great. It was a big rugby theme. The Welsh rugby boys were there and they seemed like children to me. I mean, looking at them, I was like, what? What? And it just reinforces like, who 
Who can date a 20-year-old? I thought these were like little boys who worked on the boat. I can't imagine them like playing contact sports. And they were lovely. Uh, Mike Tyndall was there. Of course, you know, former England captain Mike Tyndall, married to Zara Phillips, a member of the royal family. And James Haskell was there, who I've worked with as well. He has a lovely baby who was not there. I met him and his wife on a show a long time ago, though, and I'm glad that they are just so joyfully in love and started a family. We had a little chat, and I talked to a lot of the people on the boat. I never went pee on the boat, never once. Never once, because there was always a queue for the one loo, or it had just been like, I don't know. I just don't like public loos. And I've tried to work out material about this that's, it playfully is a little bit, it feels at first when I say the material, like I'm going to say something gender critical because I say, I don't want to share a bathroom with a man and I don't want to share a bathroom with a woman and I don't want to share a bathroom with a trans man or a trans woman or a cis man or a cis woman or a child or my own family. I think everyone should have access, equal access to public toilets. None. None. I don't want to share a bathroom with anyone, even in our homes. My family all has separate bathrooms and sharing a bathroom with an entire yacht full of people, it just wasn't happening. So my bladder just shut down. My bladder was like, no, Catherine, you can't do it. It's like too long of a queue or just too disgusting in the boat bathroom. You're not doing it. You are not rolling the dice. So I just had my breast pump with me. I just pumped as much milk as I could all day. And I feel like that took the liquid out of my body. Is that an exact science? I don't know. And Bobby and I went out that evening. We went to the casino. It was just super fun. So I really recommend Monaco. If you've never been, it is definitely something to see. The architecture and the topography alone is breathtaking. We were very grateful to Green Room for letting us go. And then we didn't end up staying very long in Monaco. We just went back to the hotel uh, and we came back to the kids and we were exhausted, exhausted. And so I can be forgiven for making the great mistake that I made at the park. We landed in the morning. I take the kids to our local park and I saw a beautiful little girl dressed to the nines. She was wearing a bouffant tutu, like she'd been a ballerina princess. She had some cool leggings on, great shoes, a little fur jacket, and her hair was in bunches. She was just the most beautiful girl. And she was being looked after by whom I assumed to be her dad. And I said, she looks great. He said, she's just come from ballet. I said, yeah, but still, my daughter went to ballet. And I didn't dress her like this opulently and take her to the park afterwards. I mean, your daughter's killing it. She looks great. Then I saw the girl about an hour later with a different man. This man was younger. The first man, whom I had assumed to be her dad, was a really, really good looking, I guess, older man. But I hadn't even clocked him as being older, really, because that's just the age that dads are now and older. Like He looked like Martin Kemp, like a real silver fox I would say even younger looking than Martin Kemp, really well-dressed, just like a handsome, handsome guy. The man I was seeing this little girl with 10 minutes from that point was dressed totally differently, still very good looking, but looked like Travis Barker style. Baggy, long shorts, kind of skater, socks and shoes, uh, really cool bomber jacket, neck tattoos. He might have had little tattoos even on his face, I'm not sure, but he just looked like a rock star or something. And he was playing with her, and I thought, oh, whoops, is that her dad? And then I said, Catherine, be progressive. Watch what you say here. So I said, oh, are you her dad? And he said, yeah. And then I thought, great, I'm about to make friends in my own neighborhood with two cool gay dads. No wonder the little girl is dressed immaculately. She has two dads. If Violet had two dads or if I had had two dads, I would be hopefully always dressed immaculately as well. I respect and look up to the gay community's fashion sense. So I said to the young dad, oh, that's why she looks so cool. She has two dads. And he said, what? And I said, oh, I, I saw her with her other dad a minute ago. And the man said to me, no, that's my dad. And he wasn't annoyed about it. He just was like, uh, that's my dad. And neither of these guys was like, they just seemed very much individually like straight guys. But I don't know. You can be in a gay relationship and not be camp. It's not a movie. Like you just, there are tons of relationships where, I don't know. I don't know. You just wouldn't know unless you asked. 
The only reason I thought that they were gay is because of how well-dressed their daughter was slash the one guy's granddaughter. I didn't know. And I was mortified. I was just like, oh, you fucked it now, Gavin. Look what has happened. You rally against older men. And I mean men, not women, because women very rarely do it. Older, older men dating younger people. And look what you've done. You have been infected by society to the point that your first assumption was a father and son were gay lovers. God damn it. And I think they were famous as well. And he would have to be, they would have to be from the world of sport because I don't know sports people, like I said, or maybe the younger one is the musician. I don't know. But the older dad was so good looking that I feel like he might be the famous one. And then the son is just like cool and hip kind of from a Nepo baby perspective. I don't know. I, I don't want to keep insulting this family. I don't know who they are. And I hope I hadn't offended them because really being mistaken as two dads with a very beautiful little girl is a compliment any way you look at it. But I'm going to see them again in the park, aren't I? No, no. And I just hope that, you know, because what, what can you do? You make assumptions from like an old fashioned point of view and you could be wrong. You try to make progressive assumptions and you could be wrong. You just shouldn't make assumptions about anyone, but I was only trying to make conversation and that's why I asked. Oh God. Let's listen to some words from our sponsors and when we will return, I will see what Joanne's got for us in the emails. And I love that now listeners are writing with their own advice for those who wrote in the previous week. So it's been two weeks. I'm late with the podcast today. I'm very sorry about that. I was a guest on the podcast show in Islington last week with ACAST um, and our good friends at BetterHelp. We did a talk there, so I felt like it would be appropriate to skip the podcast and maybe that would be released and you could listen to it somewhere, but I was wrong. It was a live-only event. I'm sorry about that. Um, but if you want to write us a letter, it is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I'll be back with those. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Important, important. We have an update from the lady whose husband was sending DMs with a woman at work. And do you remember I said, I don't think anything's going on and they hadn't had sex in a year. They have two small kids. She has written us back after two weeks of silence. Catherine, I'm just listening to the podcast. Sorry for not updating you. Thank you so much for your advice. You made me laugh when you said about me being dramatic. It's true. Although I'm normally quite calm, I have a tendency to get a bit dramatic. And I would include writing into your podcast while sobbing under that umbrella. As thankful as I am for your advice, actually hearing my emails read out and having it shared on social media freaked me out a bit. I felt exposed, even though it is anonymous, which is why I've taken my time getting back in contact. So just as an aside, if you ever write me, I will always take anything out so that it is anonymous and you know it's you. So you might feel like, oh my gosh, but I will never reveal anything about anyone if you're on the fence about writing me. Don't worry. Anyway, after hearing your advice, I sat and thought about what you'd said. I don't regret not jumping back to sex sooner. It was the right thing for me at the time, but I completely agreed with what you said about not letting it spoil things just as we are getting back on track. So I decided it was time to draw a line under things and move on. Things are going really well and I'm happy and hopeful for the future. I truly feel like I've been able to process everything and move on. And I put that down to you. I truly appreciate your time and the positive impact your words have had on my family's life. I really hope that this helps because 
that was a controversial bit of advice that I gave. There were some people who wrote in that were like, no, if he gets caught texting anyone, finish it. And it's like, yes, that is the go girl, snap, snap, snap answer. But it's maybe not the logical one for your family. It is true that when you marry someone or you have kids with someone, you make a commitment to yourself and to your children and to them to really, really earn your way out if that's what you want. And trust me, if I thought that this man was disrespecting this woman or putting her in any danger or not honoring his commitment, I might have advised differently, but I just feel like people make mistakes. I would absolutely be hurt if it was me, but I don't think he did anything more. I don't think he cheated, and I think that you want to win the battle, not the war, right? Or you want to win the war, not the battle. I don't know. You want to win the big picture. You got to think big picture with your marriage. And if she just lets this go and carries on because things have got a great momentum, he will be so grateful. He will treat her better than ever before. He'll be like, God, my wife is so forgiving and wonderful and cool. And she's so wise. She can look at the big picture, blah, blah, blah. Why would I ever text a woman from work? Like this woman almost ruined my life. And if he doesn't you proceed with that level of gratitude, then let's talk about it again. But I really have a great feeling about these two. Thank you for hearing me out. I appreciate you writing me and I really hope it goes well for you. Keep us updated if you can. Another letter is from a company called Our Family Wizard. I've talked about them a few times. I've never used them, but I have friends who have. And they've written to say, thank you for mentioning them again. I think I might have called it My Family Wizard, but it's our, like yours and mine, Our Family Wizard wizard and it's the company where if you need to discuss things with an ex um children or dogs or whatever hopefully you don't but if you do it's a neutral place that you can just exchange pick up drop off logistics and nobody can get spicy in the texts because what you never want is like you're texting your ex-husband about picking up your daughter from football and he's like and by the way you're a bitch or no or you didn't tell me I had to, eh, no. Put it on Our Family Wizard. It's all clear for everyone. You can even add your solicitor to that chat. Oh, come on. Can you fucking hear that? I'm going to need Our Family Wizard name. That is Bobby watering the lawn. I need to get a hose pipe ban on this kid. And watering the window when I'm doing my podcast. No one respects my podcast. All right, this next email is something I was really hoping to receive. Loads of you wrote in about the young woman who was suffering from anorexia. Trigger warning, this is all eating disorder related. And I don't have the proper advice for someone like that. It's something that no one close to me has ever experienced. I tried to point them to a charity called Beat. And here is a letter, Catherine. First time emailer, all that jazz, loyal listener. I felt the need to respond to the lady whose 13-year-old daughter is battling anorexia. It's a matter I know all too well. I'm 28. I have been battling anorexia nervosa myself since I was 12 or 13, and at my worst, I was given a maximum of six months to live by a consultant cardiologist. have been an inpatient, day patient, and outpatient with breakthroughs, breakdowns, relapses, and now I have a wonderful specialist nurse that I see fortnightly. I also have autism, OCD, anxiety disorder, and I'm months away from finishing a three-year honors degree in psychology with hopes to do a master's in neuroscience. And so with this in mind, I hope I can be of some molecular help. First of all, the number one thing is that her daughter needs support. If she wants to talk, listen. If she eats unexpectedly, quote unquote, do not make a fuss or say well done, but acknowledge how hard that must have been and then it's a step forward. Avoid the bargaining, Starbucks shopping, as this is not an appropriate approach to tackle a life-threatening illness. And I'm a bit concerned that she eats when these things are promised, and that could be an indication of bulimia or some other compensatory behavior. Beat was a fabulous recommendation from you as they're an amazing charity that don't get the recognition they deserve. They do have a parent support group, which I would suggest the couple look into. And it's great that her daughter is receiving help. I would also suggest asking them about their family therapy offering. Most eating disorder services offer this to under 18s, so it would greatly help for clarity, support, and understanding for the family. It's important that the family know eating disorders are the number one mental illness for fatality, a sad statistic that isn't mentioned as often as it should be, as it may not get taken seriously. 
The moods, arguments, and tantrums are normal, and as frustrated as the parents may get, please remember that the frustration is multiplied in her daughter. It's the eating disorder taking hold, and it needs to be met with calm understanding in a scary situation. Please assure them it's not personal and that she will be very confused by a demonic entity consuming her thoughts. I wish them so much love, and if they require or need any further advice, then I'm okay with my email to be passed on. That's so nice. So if you would like this person's email, please write me back and let me know how your daughter's doing. That is so scary for all of us because, oh God, like you just never know when any kind of illness, touch wood, is going to strike your children and you don't want it to be, you know, physical illness, mental illness, physical manifestation of a mental illness. You know, it's just so scary. And then someone else has written in suggesting zinc. Now, we don't have any confirmations on this, but it has been suggested that a zinc deficiency can lead to an eating disorder. Wow. Well, thank you for all looking out for each other. I really appreciate when people write in when I don't have the answers and I don't always have the right answers, but I will hopefully link you up with the people who do. So write me an email anytime telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Oh, I've noticed Joanne's not done a blurb this week. Oh yeah, she has. Catherine, It was another week of loads of emails coming in. People are now more than ever keen on responding to the prior week's letters with insights and opinions. As always, you are continuously growing a massive roster of Canadians wanting to be in your potential reality dating show. On with the updates and letters. Okay, so that's not too much from Joanne. I feel like we've really started to like Joanne's input. And some people, I go in the emails myself too, though I leave it to Joanne to curate them. Every once in a while I check just to make sure she's getting the best ones if I have a spare moment. And a lot of you are writing Joanne now. People are like, hey, Joanne. It's funny. All right. Is it okay for my mother-in-law to talk about her deceased husband to my toddler? What? My mother-in-law's husband died 11 years ago. I never met him and he was not my partner's dad. Okay. I wondered why you were calling him my mother-in-law's husband. My mother-in-law's husband. Okay. I see. So your husband had at some point a mother and father, the father is doing something else or is deceased himself or is just not with the mom. The mom remarried and that man died 11 years ago. I've heard my mother-in-law talking about granddad, insert name, to our two and a half year old son. I'm not comfortable with this as I think it has the potential to be really confusing for him. He's not going to meet him after all. I'd have no issue with her discussing him when he's old enough to understand, but constantly referring to granddad ghost now just feels odd. My other half also listens to your podcast, so would appreciate you keeping this anonymous. Well, I mean, look, not a lot of people are going through this problem. (laughs) I'm sorry. I love that. You're like, my husband might listen. And I'll be like, well, that could be anyone. Oh, lots of mother-in-laws are talking about their granddad ghost to two and a half year olds. All right, I'm not obviously going to use any of your names, but I, do you know what? I try to always put myself in the listener's position, your position. I feel like if Bobby's mother had lost a significant partner that she married who wasn't Bobby's dad, and she did lose Bobby's dad, well, you know, we don't even talk about Bobby's dad to Fred. And we have a picture of him in the house. Fred is not even two and a half. He's not even two. But if anything, I feel like we should be talking about Bobby's dad more. Because no, like Fred will never meet Bobby's dad, but that is his granddad. And I think it's nice for kids to know that they have lots of people who love them. Guardians, um, guardian angels, like whether they live in the universe or in the real world that we can see and feel and touch. I don't know. I would be fine with, even in the absence of a biological connection, if my mother-in-law, AKA Tracy, Bobby's mom, if she spoke about an ex, I know that she's doing that for herself. And she probably thinks about him every day if she loved him. And even though he's deceased 11 years ago, maybe she doesn't want the toddler to think that she's like single Maybe she has some type of religious attachment to like, I want my grandson to know that I am married (laughs) or like, I don't know. Or maybe she feels like the grandson will think she's weird if there's no granddad. Maybe she says, 
oh, why he probably thinks if this is my grandma, where's my granddad? I don't know what she's thinking, but I think everything that is going through her head is sweet and vulnerable and really pure. And if you read, I don't think it's confusing, first of all, the whole world. Can you imagine being born and being like, what the fuck? And your mom's like, that's an airplane. And you're like, what? And your mom's like, here's an iPad. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? All of the information available in the universe is at my fingertips on an iPad. I can watch cartoons on this like piece of paper, essentially. And then you'd be like, look, a water slide. Oh, there used to be dinosaurs. Like the world, luckily, is not confusing to little kids. Because if it was, they, their minds, their tiny minds would just be blown 24-7 because the world is bananas. So your mother-in-law talking about her dead partner in the sky is just another one of the many things that is going to just be normal to your baby. He'll just be like, yep, that's a helicopter. There used to be dinosaurs. Um, you know, I can turn on the sauna by pressing this button. Like everything's crazy. So he'll be like, and then also my granddad lives in the sky. But ultimately I would be fine with it. I'm not that normal. If anything that your mother-in-law does makes you uncomfortable, then you absolutely have the right to pull her up on it and be like, I understand that you love your deceased partner, but I think maybe let's shelve that conversation with the toddler until he goes to school, until he starts to ask questions, then tell him more. But from my point of view right now, you asking me, do I think it's confusing or damaging to your baby? No, I don't. Would I be fine with it? Yes, I would. But I can understand how for you it's a bit weird. And if you want to tell her to stop, you can very gently do that. And then she should respect your wishes because that is your child. I hope that helps. It's kind of a crazy answer. But if anyone else has gone through this, please let me know. I'd be fine with it, but whatever. You know, if your mother-in-law wears yellow and you don't like it, then you have the right to be like, when you're in my house, please don't wear yellow. I find it very triggering for, you know, I don't like yellow. I think you can kindly ask anyone to respect whatever boundaries you have, and they should. I changed cities, and my ex still ends up across the street. Oh, no. Catherine, I'm writing you today, as I unfortunately have a dilemma with a man. My slimy rat of an ex-boyfriend has moved into the building across the street from mine. It was definitely not an accident. He knew I lived there because I've bumped into people he knows in my neighborhood. I despise him to my core because he was an abusive piece of shit. I thought, oh no, I thought by moving seven hours away from him, I'd never have to see him again. But no, this motherfucker moved right across the street. I hate this man and I hate having to worry about bumping into him on the street. Luckily, the only time I've run into him, I was with my roommate. So thus far, I've been able to ignore him, but he seems to be increasingly trying to talk to me. I've blocked him on socials. I've blocked his old phone number and then his new one when he tried to reach out a few months ago. How do I tell this man to fuck off without ending up in a body bag? Well, Christ. This got very serious when you said he was abusive. Okay, I'm going to tell you something really sad right now. Very sad. So if you don't want to hear it, Jen, it is not about an animal, but it's very, very sad and it ruined my night last night. Uh... So you want to turn autoplay off your socials because when you're scrolling on Twitter, especially now under the new ownership of Mr. Elon Musk, videos just start playing. It could be tweets from someone you don't even follow. I don't understand what's happened to Twitter, but my feed is just like stuff that AI has decided I want to see regardless of whether I follow these accounts or not. And a woman tweeted this is why we can't trust any men. No men should ever be around women. None. Look at all the men who are just walking by. And a video had already started to play. So while I was reading this tweet, my subconscious was like watching this video. And then I was kind of in shock and I couldn't scroll past it. I like, I watched too much without even, I would never want to watch something like this. I would never seek it out. It was uh, allegedly a video from India where a 16-year-old young woman, girl, child, had uh, re refused a man's advances on the street, and he responded by violently attacking her. And they showed this attack in the video. And she was kind of pixelated, but that only made it more sinister because you could still see, like, 
it was so upsetting to me. It was really bad. I've never seen anything like it. And he just lost it. And I'm not going to go into the details of everything that I saw in this video, but what stuck in my mind is all these people just were walking by people. All these men were just carrying on, walking by the most like violent murder I've ever seen. And I'm so sick that I watched it. I've deleted Twitter, Twitter from my phone. Uh, I watched it in the car on the way to Beyonce accidentally. And then like the whole concert, I was just like bereft. It is unbelievable and fucking sick what some men, and uh, yeah, I'm again, I'm saying men, some men and like two women ever on the planet are capable of doing when they are embarrassed or when they're rejected. And you've said that this man was abusive. What I'm wondering is if you have any police record of that, if you ever made a complaint, if you ever filed a, a report. If so, then I would follow up on that and ap approach. I mean, I know we're going to have some legal experts writing in next week, so please listen next week. But my instinct is that this is a form of stalking. He's pursuing you. He's moved seven hours to be near you. And hopefully you can prove that. He reaches out to you when you block him. It seems to me like you would have a case. But I mean, the judicial system is flaccid. And I worry that even with a um, an arrangement, you know, that he has to stay away from you, a no contact order or whatever, that that's not really enforceable unless he breaches it. And sometimes when he breaches it, it's too late. I'm not super confident about these types of orders, but it is still worth getting one in place. And if you have never reported the abuse, it's not too late now to report it where you live now to say, I had an abusive boyfriend from like way back in Colorado or wherever I used to live. Now I live here. He's followed me. He's across the street. I feel deeply uncomfortable. Can police intervene? Or maybe you have a refuge crisis center, like a, a survivors of domestic abuse crisis center that you can reach out to and ask, but my advice to you is to take this very seriously. I would rather take something seriously than not take it seriously enough and suffer the consequences because it sounds to me like this guy is stalking you. It's not just like, oh no, my ex lives in my town, wah, wah, and then we embark upon a sitcom. No, it's like, if he was abusive, then take it very seriously. And what is he messaging you when he tries to get in touch? Because even if it's nice, you know, that could be a tactic. I would just would not trust an abusive man. And you deserve to live a life without having him near you. So anyone has any expertise on this, please write us. Catherine, I'm curious about my friend's very young mom. Hmm. I wanted to get your advice on a newish friend of mine. We met about a year ago through a mutual friend. We clicked immediately, meeting up for walks and dinner. I will call him David for his privacy. His real name? David. No, I'm kidding. I really value his friendship. We're able to talk about pretty personal things. We've bonded over the fact that neither of us want kids. All of our other friends do, which is lovely, but it's nice to have someone else to relate to. A little while ago, David mentioned his mom is only 42. This shocked me as we we're both 28 at the time of the conversation. David is super open and relaxed normally, but when I said, your mom must have been really young when she had you, he quickly said, oh uh, yeah, yeah, she was 18 and changed the subject. Now, I am not a super whiz at math, but I worked out pretty quickly that she was 14. I know David's very close with his grandparents, and I get the impression that they played a big part in raising him, seeing how his mom was so young. David's dad died quite a few years ago, and I know he was considerably older than his mom, as he died in his early 50s. I imagine this is probably why he's so uncomfortable talking about it. Should I leave it and not put pressure on him to talk about it? Because I just want to reassure him that I'm not going to be judgmental. And that if it's something he wants to talk about, then we can. I'd like to be there for my friend, but I don't want to push him and make him uncomfortable. What are your thoughts? Uh, ugh. I am a, well, I am a very open person and I have very open friends. So I feel like I would say, you know, when our parents were young, it was not uncommon. Use, use ITV as a jumping off point. Just be like, when we were young, it was not that uncommon for people to be in relationships where one partner was a lot older than the other one. And you know, that uh, obviously is being 
disgust now and there might be some shame attached to that. But I want you to know that if you ever want to talk to me about your parents, I know that your mom's really young and I I won't be judgmental with you about that. Because like God knows what happens. Were his parents still together when the dad died? Like it's just one of those things really. I think I wouldn't push him for sure. Never, you know, you can read the room. But just make it clear that you are a safe space for him to discuss that and then get all the tea that you can, stick it in a thermos, keep it piping hot, and give us the tea on the podcast. So he definitely, definitely knows he can trust you, but you're only going to tell me. No, I mean, I think it's lovely that he has you in his life. And I think there's a way to get people to open up by sharing your own experience first or just by being like, you know, if you ever want to talk to me about your parents' age difference, I'm not going to judge you about it like you weren't alive. I just hope he's not the product of like some assault because he could have issues about that and and be dying to speak to someone about it and he should speak to a professional if he has more issues but you know just through your walks and your friendship the key with men is not to overthink them like maybe he's fine with it and he doesn't want to talk about it I like that you guys do an activity where you're like moving forward you're walking you're doing stuff and then maybe on one of the walks when his legs are distracted he'll open up Mark Wahlberg's wife. Oh, I'm very drawn to this email. Darling, I love your podcast and I'm so grateful for you lighting up my life back here in Canada. Here is my comment. Re, the day Bobby forgot to eat because he's got a crush on Mark Wahlberg. The unsung hero of Mark's body and look is his wife. Let's be honest. She's been the one really doing the heavy lifting, pun intended. What has her morning routine been managing the four children while he spends all his time securing himself that rock hard bod? Eat your breakfast, please and thanks. Love, Anita. I'm saying your name, Anita. I'm hoping it's a drag name because that to me felt like a stage glamorous read. Of course his wife is the unsung hero of that rock hard bod. Of course it is completely fucking self-centered to starve yourself so that you can play 36 holes of golf in a day, have two workouts and a nap. It's fucking ridiculous. But if I'm Mark Wahlberg's wife... And I want to stay home with my kids and I'm living in like luxury because my husband's making 40 million a film. Maybe that's fine, you know? And maybe she likes his body like that. Like different people have different boundaries in their relationships and it's not for us to judge. If she doesn't like it, if she feels neglected and she's like, Mark, what's going on? Like maybe this is me trying to do a Boston accent because that's where they're from. And I don't know if his wife's from Boston. I don't even know if Mark Wahlberg still talks like this. But she'd be like, I just want to live normally in a bungalow. I want you to have lunch and spend time with your family. I can't do a Boston accent. All right, last email of the day, and then our time is up. Fat phobic and having a baby. Catherine, I am an elder millennial. As much as I hate to admit it, I think my culture and my generation has given me deep-seated fat phobic opinions. Even if I truly hate this feeling, it is within me. My partner's quite heavy, as are many of his family members. I think it's partly genetic and partly lifestyle. We've discussed having a baby in the future, and I just hate to admit it, but I worry that our child will be overweight and struggle their whole life on top of all the other struggles that we have day to day. Am I shallow? Am I mean? Any advice is appreciated. Why the hell would you ask me to weigh in on something so spicy as this? You know that I am an elder millennial. Millennials begin born the year 1982. I was born in 1983. You might listen and say, no, we're not a millennial. We'll actually call this, we have another name. Yeah, we have some other name, but we're also elder millennials. And our generation was fatphobic. And I got a bit of pushback when I spoke about the bridal situation a few weeks back where someone said, I'm feeling all this pressure to look my best on my wedding day. I said, Yeah, understood. Like people look at those pictures forever and our society does reward thinness. Uh, It's okay to realize that that is sometimes unsustainable and toxic and it's achieved through means of disordered eating and self-harm. It's okay to say all those things out loud and recognize that, but also be honest about the fact that, all right, but I feel my best when I am thinner. And I, guys, feel my best when I am thinner. And I gained an unnatural amount of weight for me when I was pregnant with Fred because I had to take steroids and I've never truly recovered from that weight gain. 
Other people who are bigger than me and different shape than me and different build from me, I feel like they look better than I did because that amount of weight gain all in my face was really unnatural for me. It's okay for me to say that. I've lost about 10 pounds in the last month just because I don't know, like breastfeeding hormones have like started to dwindle. I don't know, but I said something to Violet. Did you, do you notice that I'm a bit skinnier? And she was like, oh, no one cares. No one cares. I was like, well, that's pretty rude. Like television cares. She goes, no, no one cares. No one cares. You're so toxic. And it's like, well, okay. Like the reality in my industry is that thinness is rewarded in my industry. And the reality for your life is that you don't feel comfortable being heavier or gaining weight. But obviously you're not fat phobic because you love your partner. You said your partner is heavier and everyone in your partner's family is heavier. Will your child struggle if they are heavier? I mean, all that we can do is our best eat healthfully, move around, give your body what your body's asking for. I don't think, I think it's pretty hard to be a very big child. There are lots of children who are just different shapes and sizes. Fred's chubby. Fred's like hearty. He's healthy. He's um, like a solid boy, but he, well, no, he doesn't eat well. He basically refuses to eat anything but pasta. But I mean, I don't think that the society, the society they are growing up in is the same one that we were growing up in. So you can be comforted by that. You can feed your child healthfully, a balanced, nutritious diet, play with them, get them outside, and then whatever they look like, I promise you, you're not even going to think about their weight. They're going to be really happy and healthy and you're going to love them. And I don't think that kids bully each other the same as we bullied ourselves living in the like naughties pop star elder millennial generation to answer your question. And if that's the only thing that's making you concerned about having a baby with your partner, I would absolutely throw it away because you can't predict who your children are going to be, what they're going to look like. I had a mantra when I was expecting Violet. I said, happy, healthy, strong, smart, and beautiful. I would repeat those words in my head all the time uh, because that was my hierarchy of wishes for her. I wanted her to be happy first and foremost, because if you don't have happiness, you never have your health. Healthy was second. Strong was third. Smart, because you could still have a nice life and not be very smart. And beautiful was last, because life is pretty nice if you're traditionally beautiful, but it isn't everything. And beauty comes from the inside. And what a wonderful way to end the podcast today. Thank you for your letter. If you ever want to write me, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Please be nice to people on the internet. It is a really ugly, scary place, and I would hate to see any current controversies snowball into a tragedy greater than it needs to be. See you next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 